May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Love one another. In the same way I have loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognise that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. Pretty familiar uh, reading to all of us, I'm sure. You've probably heard many sermons about them, about that passage. Uh, So you're very wise about what it all means. So I invite you to turn around and talk to your neighbour about what you know about this or what stood out for you this time or what questions do you have about this reading. So you've got about one or two minutes to turn to your neighbour and to talk about what you know about it, what stood out for you, what questions do you have. So, just stay there, Joseph, you don't have to move. So, any thoughts, questions, things you noticed? You three look like you have something to say. <laughs> oh, who is our neighbour? All right. That, yes, that's a very good question. Jesus told some punchy stories about that one. Any other questions or observations? Jesus still loved Judas, Indeed. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Who do we love? Even Judas. Any other thoughts or observations? We felt that sometimes there needs to be forgiveness before love. Yep. Yep. What makes this a new commandment? Sorry? It wasn't in the law before, wasn't it? It wasn't, it wasn't. So Leviticus says, Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. So it's not right to say that love wasn't in the Torah. It was. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. So love was there, and some would suggest that actually the Torah was, how do you live that out? What does it look like to love God? What does it look like to love your neighbour? Well, here's some very practical rules about how you do that. So at one level, Torah, the law, is all about love. So to say that the love wasn't in the, in the law is not right. It was there. It undergirds it, and certainly it undergirds what the prophets were about. So it was strict to love to the Jews? No, not even there actually, because there was a commandment uh, to love, well, you had to do justice to the aliens who lived in your midst, so, and to the poor. So, for example, you weren't allowed to harvest your crops right to the edge, you had to leave the you had to leave the outer parts for the poor and for the aliens in your midst 
so that they might eat. So there were, there were rigid rules about who you could associate with in terms of eating, but in terms of how you treated people, well, it's a different kettle of fish altogether. So the new bit isn't that love. So what else could it be? Maybe it's to love as Jesus loved. And that's where it gets tricky, because what does it look like? But how did Jesus love? Well, unconditionally, yeah. So in terms of practical things, the, you could say the whole of John's Gospel was the answer to the question, how did Jesus love? At another level, you could say that uh, the whole of the rest of... So this is right at the beginning of the last speech. So they've just gathered for a meal, they've had their meal, and then the rest of the next three or four chapters is Jesus' long last speech to them. It's the biggest block of teaching in John's Gospel. And a whole lot... It, also, it feels like three extra chapters were dropped in there. So it kind of moves from... Um, uh, I think it's the end of this chapter, and you can kind of jump three chapters, and, and it kind of it works. But it's like more questions arose, so somebody, John or somebody else, just inserted three more chapters in there, which were essentially about how to love one another. Because um, John's community was under, as I said, all the Christian communities were under a lot of pressure. They'd been John's com community; he is thought to have written really late, around in the 90s, so it's a long time after Jesus, a lot has changed, uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed, this, the Jews have been dispersed across the empire and beyond, uh, it's been decided that Christians aren't Jews, so they've been kicked out of the synagogues, um, the Romans see them as atheists because they don't believe in the Roman gods, they see them as traitors because they keep using imperial titles and applying it to this crucified rabbi from Galilee uh, and then with all that pressure within them there's a lot of fractures happening, a lot of division and those divisions were right at the beginning we can read about those divisions in Paul's letters which are much earlier they were written in the um, late 40s 50s um, so Paul's Paul's writing is the first writing of the Christian community that we have. And even there we can see those divisions. And we, we hear it today in, in the reading from Acts. So there was a lot of division. So what does it mean to love one another? So those extra chapters were about what does it mean to love one another. Um, the, the letters ascribed to John are all about how to love one another. So it's a huge issue about how, how to hold unity. How to hold together to be loving of one another. But we could also say that what happens just before this is also a classic example of um, what it means of how Jesus loves, which is the washing of the feet. Um, so Jesus uh, welcomes, in John's Gospel, there is, there, is, there is a Last Supper, but there's not a Last Supper. There's no Jesus taking the cup of the bread and saying, this is my body. There's no... Jesus taking the cup and saying, this is my blood. It doesn't happen at all in John's Gospel. Instead, we have the washing of the feet. So he gathers them and then he takes off his outer garment, which we kind of glide past. Uh, 
But actually, that outer garment represents... I was thinking about it um, while I was driving up to Auckland. It actually represents a lot. It represents a lot about who he was. So as their rabbi, uh, it represents his authority. It represents his place in their midst. It represents his... uh, uh, his mana or his honour, uh, he took that off. He took all of that off and came to them as a servant, as a slave, and washed their feet. And whose feet did he wash? Well, Kevin's already talked about Judas. Whose, whose feet also did he wash? Peter? So straight after this, so this is... So this is just before a new commandment. So he washes their feet, they have a meal, and then he gets a little grumpy, a little ha-ha, and he says, uh, one of you is going to betray me, and they all go, who is it? Not me, surely. And he says, the one who I dip this bread into the cup and give to, this is the one who will betray me. And he dips bread in the cup, and he gives it to Judas and says, go and do what you are to do, and Judas leaves which is where we picked up the story, after he, Judas, had left. So he washes Judas' feet. Then he says in the reading, I'm going to go where you cannot go. So what does Peter say? Lord, I want to go there with you. And he says, you will deny me three times. So he washes his feet person who is about to deny him, deny the relationship with him, deny who he is in Jesus, three times Jesus still washes his feet. He knows this is going to happen. What about the rest of the disciples? What do they do? They run away like like out of a scene from Monty Python. Run away, run away, run away, except for the beloved disciple. All the rest run away. Abandon him. So he washes the feet of this group of people, one of whom will betray him, one of whom will deny him, and all the rest will abandon him. And still, he washes their feet. Takes off that outer garment with all that it represents. He humbles himself and washes their feet. That's an extraordinary story, an extraordinary moment. Love as I have loved you. Now, we live in, we come to church on this place and we have that uh, window there, which is uh, all about what this looks like. The story of this place. So when the British arrived, at least 50% of those Māori living in this area were either Catholic or Anglican. They were Christians. They had uh, put down... We could say they put down the cloak of war and taken up the cloak of peace. But they were confronted by an invading British army. So they took up they took up their weapons again, but then they wrote letters of rules of engagement. Said, well, if we have to fight, these are the rules. These are the limits of our fighting. We don't want to fight, but you are our brothers and sisters. So we will limit who is involved in this war. Now, this is before the Geneva Convention. Nowadays, wars are governed by the Geneva Convention. There is no Geneva Convention at this point. And to be honest, the British had no idea what to do with these rules. 
because they did not fight by rules. Anything went, even after the Geneva Convention. Anything went. Prisoners were a waste, are annoyance, really. You've got to feed them, you've got to have people to look after them, you've got to have somewhere to put them. It's much easier just to kill them. And there are stories in this land of the British not taking prisoners, just hunting people down. So they limited it. They said, this is what we have to do in love. You know, our brothers and sisters, we don't want to fight you, but if we have to, we will. After the battle, either Tarata or Henny or both of them, or both of them and some other people, uh, then uh, laid down, took off the cloak of animosity, took off the cloak of war, took off the cloak of enmity and self-preservation and risked their lives to take water to their brothers who were dying, who were wounded. A risky endeavour. Because if they're seen by somebody who has a loaded weapon still, they will be shot. Because Māori also killed wounded British soldiers. Why wouldn't you? They had really good weapons. Way better than yours. And they had lots of ammunition. And if you kill them, they're not going to come back and kill you another day. But they risked their lives to do that because they were their brothers and sisters. So they loved as Jesus loved. That's how hard this is. Love like Jesus. It sounds easy, but it's quite hard really, isn't it? And we can see how hard that was just in the reading from Acts. It sounds very easy. Peter has this experience, he goes back to Jerusalem and they have this little conversation and they all agree what should happen. But you know that the truth was, this was not resolved. If you read Galatians, that argument keeps going on. This is hindsight theology, looking back and going, oh well the spirit was at work and this is where we've got to, so I'm sure that's where they would have got to back then. Hard, hard conversations about what does it mean to love like Jesus? Does it mean I have to love a Gentile? Does it mean I can eat with Gentiles? That's pretty hard work. And we as churches have really struggled with that for the last 2,000 years, if we're honest. And we still struggle with it on a much smaller scale. It amazes me as I look around conflicted churches and conflicted church groups about how tightly we hang on to our own outer garments of importance, our own outer garments about our place and our honour, how we, our default position is, is too often one of suspicion and uh, defending our position, uh, feeling attacked, uh, feeling like um, my honour is at stake, and I have to hold tight. I know the answers. I have to kind of make sure that my way is the right way. How many parishes are conflicted from this position of just suspicion, really? And it hurts us. One of the joys of doing youth work was uh, my last nine years I worked with a different bunch of young people, but bunches of young people, and we organised, um, there were a number that kind of flowed through and uh, from year to year, but uh, it was a completely different group from 
nine years from, the, from those at the beginning and those at the end. And we organised a national Anglican Youth Forum. It was a national event for young people. On the basis that, yes, young people do need some input, but actually one of the things they need to do is to wrestle with things themselves and to have a voice back to us as a wider church. So it was about creating space for young people to grow and to speak back to the adult church, uh, a philosophy that sadly was lost once I left and we went back to, we know best because we're the adults, so young, young people sit down and listen to the wise words that we have to say. Yeah, right. Uh, so, and over the, over the course of that nine years, we would meet and we'd talk about what we were going to do in those uh, forums, and uh, it was always some component of mission, um, based on what we'd done the year before. And one of the trickiest ones was the year we wanted to talk about, they wanted to talk about missional community. And when we talk about missional community, we often think about that as the things we do in mission. But actually those young people said, yep, that's important, but actually... The equally important, if not more important thing is, who are we as a people? How do we treat each other? What does our life look like? If people look in at us, what are they going to see? Are they going to see a loving community that loves like Jesus? That works hard at being like that? Or are they going to see a conflicted community where the default position is, uh, is suspicion and doubt and self-preservation? Because if it's like that, we're not very missional. We just become like any other community group. We have nothing to offer. That's what those young people said to us. It was very astute. There were lots of adults who didn't get it. What are they talking about? Uh, how we treat each other is quite important, not just what we do. So that's what Jesus is on about. Loving each other like he loved when he washed those feet. This is a hard, hard thing to do. And yet that is the invitation. So, I invite you to turn around, talk to your neighbours. What do you think about all of that? And what might you do about that? Are there people you're being invited to love and how might you love them? Are there things that you need to let go of? Are there different ways of being that you're being invited to? Are we being invited to? So turn around, talk to your neighbours for a minute or two, and then we'll have the prayers. (laughs) 